Have you ever imagined fashion being as diverse as human culture? Have you ever dreamed of a respectful, ethical, and socially just fashion industry? Have you ever envisioned sustainability being at the core of the entire fashion system? This is your host, Laura Beltran-Rubio. I'm a fashion curator, researcher, and educator. My mission is to translate scholarly insights into actionable strategies that we can all take to reshape how we create, wear, and think about fashion. So find a comfortable seat, brew some tea, and open your notebook as you join me in the quest for redressing fashion. Hi everyone! Should I call you fashion friends or is that too cringy and weird? Thank you for tuning in. This is the very first official episode of Redressing Fashion and I'm super excited to finally be recording this after giving it way too much thought and pushing it back probably for longer than I should have. But anyway, here I am, finally. And before we get into the details of who I am or what this show is all about, I want to talk a little bit about fashion studies. I'll introduce myself, explain what it means to redress fashion and attempt to summarize what fashion studies are in the next episode. Today, I just want to share some ideas that I've been reflecting on over the past few months, especially as I try to figure out my next steps as a specialist, or should I say doctor, PhD holder in fashion studies. So let's dive right in. I'm a firm believer in the power of fashion studies. From an academic standpoint, fashion studies offers new insights into many of the practices and interactions that have shaped our societies since the dawn of humanity. And outside academia, fashion studies reveals the many failures of the fashion system as it functions today, because it continues to subjugate in different ways millions of people and our non-human kin around the world. More selfishly, I'm a firm believer in the power of fashion studies as a career path. I was privileged enough to get a degree in this field that I saw back then as new, novel, and exciting. And most importantly, it was for me the excuse to make a living out of thinking about fashion all day. I must confess, though, that it has turned out to be a lot more difficult, definitely less glamorous than I first thought. But it's still fun. We'll get into that later. But over the last decade, I've come to realize that fashion studies is exactly what will allow me to actively work to create a better world while doing something I love. And this is actually something that I thought I had given up on when I decided to embark on fashion studies and reject my then background in economics and public policy and peacemaking, poverty fighting kind of work. And so after taking that turn today, I'm fully convinced that by translating research insights from fashion studies into educational programming, 
for members of the fashion industry and maybe even also public policy, we can actually create better informed and more diverse ethical and sustainable fashion practices. And I'm not alone in this. The power of fashion studies has been embraced by many scholars, higher education institutions, even NGOs and governments around the world. More personally, it was my main motivation to return to Colombia to work as hard as I could to grow both fashion studies and the fashion industry in Latin America and in turn give something back to my own country and contribute to building a better society back here. But to my own surprise, over the past couple years, I've been crashing into one wall after another until I finally gave up, sort of. I was hired by none other than my alma mater under the promise that I would be able to grow the field of fashion studies in Latin America from within Colombian academia. Perhaps in part because of technical, bureaucratic, and budget restrictions, it never happened. But I have a sense that it's also in great part because Colombia and Latin America are not yet ready to embrace the power of fashion studies. I've come to that conclusion after going through many frustrating experiences as I've tried to participate in the development of the field over the past few years. I've also spent months reflecting and self-evaluating my work as a fashion scholar in Latin America, especially as I've tried to decompress and recover from burnout after I quit that job. But before explaining how I got into this conclusion, I must say that I sincerely hope that the few of us who are actually doing the hard, painful, super slow work of laying a solid foundation for fashion studies in Latin America will eventually achieve a space that's a bit more open and welcoming to critical thinking in and through fashion and to fashion studies as a whole. Now, let me explain why I think that Latin America is not ready for fashion studies or not yet ready for fashion studies. First, there are common behaviors and expectations shared by the local fashion academia that reveal a generalized lack of engagement with critical thinking in and through fashion. For example, one of the supposed leaders of fashion studies in Colombia showed up as a student to my inaugural master's level course with a beautifully assembled booklet made up of printed copies of all the class materials, very aesthetic, very well designed, but she never proved to read or even attempt to engage in critical conversations on fashion throughout the class sessions. And eventually she also stopped attending. An influencer who enrolled in one of my courses as an elective for her master's degree in journalism ignored all of the feedback that I'd given her throughout the term when writing her final essay on sportswear. And I hate to say this, but this piece felt more like an easy blog note with too many pictures, very few words. And yet, and this is the annoying part, she dared to complain about her final grade at the very last minute. And it is annoying because I had spent so much time trying to give her feedback and asking questions and trying to push her argument and getting the words and the analysis and the critical thinking out of her. But she just wasn't interested. 
She just wanted a blog post. Why get a master's in journalism? Why take a master's level course in fashion studies if you're just not going to engage with it? And then my final master's level course on fashion history would always, always fill up with 20 students in just a few hours. But only four would remain after they realized that they had to actually read and that we weren't just going to gossip about Dior and Chanel for two hours twice a week. So the general expectation seemed to be that fashion studies was something easy to do. That knowledge in the field could be achieved without reading and in a purely anecdotal manner. And while I'm all in for diverse modes of teaching and learning and I try to implement them myself, I don't think that we can afford to give up on critical thinking as we attempt to make fashion studies more accessible. And in Latin America, where the field is only just starting to grow, we can afford it even less. Then there's the industry side of things. It's been proven that no one is ever ready to hear the hard truths. And I know this is a consultant too. But here, it seems that no one is open to even conceiving a slightly different way of seeing and thinking about fashion. Instead, spaces seem to only be open to those who in one way or another strive to maintain a certain world order in which thinking especially thinking critically, is unthinkable. As a result, both industry members and the general public end up trusting celebrities and influencers more than they trust scholars, established journalists, and critical thinkers, which can, of course, include some celebrities and some influencers, but they must have a certain, you know, personality traces and intellectual traces. And so the people who have gained trust have made sure to build a wall that's so large and bulky that it would be impossible for newcomers to cross it or to tear it down. The wall is so sturdy that it even admits open acts of intimidation and censorship, which I have had, sadly, to face myself. Here I want to quickly summarize an incident that I try not to think about too much because it's still incredibly embarrassing, somewhat painful, definitely frustrating. But I think it'll help me illustrate my point here. So when I was just starting my PhD and my first publication in fashion theory came out, I was of course over the moon, <laughs> but a group of self-proclaimed fashion studies scholars in Colombia came after me, demanding the editors of the journal to take my article down. And they even threatened me with contacting Dr. Valerie Steele, editor-in-chief of the publication, to basically put me in the right path. <laughs> the reason, they claimed, was that my study overexposed the people whose Twitter interactions I used as the basis of my research. Rather than exposing certain people who had already actually done so for themselves by sharing so much on social media, my article was intended as a close reading of the use of social media among members of the fashion industry in the middle of a very complex political situation in Colombia. 
The article was approved by the editors of the special issue, by peer reviewers. I had shared ideas with different colleagues in different spaces, so it couldn't have been all that useless or all that badly written. This is why, over the years, I've come to understand that the whole issue was more about gatekeeping than about the contents of my article. And in sending their intimidating petition, the gatekeepers aimed to stop my growth in fashion studies as soon as I dared to even enter the field, because I was really a baby fashion scholar back then. And needless to say, this could have ruined an entire career. Is it me? Am I being paranoid? Or is this really bad? Unsurprisingly, perhaps, the same group of people came after me again when I was offered to teach the first graduate course on fashion studies in the country. But this time, I felt a little more secure and definitely more confident with what I had to say, with my contributions, and especially with my expertise as a teacher or I guess in this case, as a university professor, after years of having trained to do precisely that. And so even in face of all of the threats or actually the open intimidation, harassment, censorship, I chose to stay. And I chose to stay even though I've never felt more powerless and scared and of course intimidated as I did when this first incident happened. I chose to surround myself with supportive mentors and colleagues I admire who are mostly abroad and who have encouraged me to continue pushing to diversify fashion and fashion studies through my work both as a scholar and a consultant. And I say that they're mostly abroad because I haven't really been able to find mentors in fashion studies in Colombia. And not exactly because there aren't people doing this here already. I'm clearly not the first one. But just because they're not welcoming. And because the whole idea of mentoring someone to help them grow seems quite foreign to the field here. And here I must say that I have found mentors, but not in fashion studies. <laughs> one of them is an art historian. The other one is a design theorist. I love them very much. I admire them very much. I'm super thankful with everything that they've shared with me. But they're not in fashion studies. I'm glad, though, that it's not the same in other countries. And I am trying, in a way or another, to fill that gap, be friendlier, help people grow as I do. Because if we don't grow altogether, I don't think we're able to actually achieve any change. But that's the subject of another conversation. In addition to surrounding myself with mentors, amazing mentors, amazing colleagues, I chose to work through my frustrations and burnout, especially over the past six months, deciding not to give up on fashion, rekindling my love for teaching and devising new ways to redress the fashion industry through research and education. So as the new year approaches, I know that I won't stop actively working to create a more diverse, ethical, and sustainable fashion system. Next year, I'll start a new teaching position in a brand new country 
where I'll take everything I've learned from my superstar students in Colombia, the ones that chose to stay with me, to make sure that critical thinking becomes the root of fashion. I haven't forgotten about the mission I accepted a few years ago to develop a fashion studies in Latin America and strengthen the fashion industry in the region. I'll just have to keep doing the work from abroad and I hope that'll work out, but we'll see and you'll very likely follow along. <laughs> and I'll continue to research, write, speak openly, create spaces for reflective conversation and translate scholarly insights to create strategies that help an entire industry reimagine the future for fashion. Or, as I like to call it, to redress fashion into a better future. That's precisely what this podcast is all about. It's an evolution of what started as my monthly audio blog where I shared what I call loose thoughts as I attempted to think through fashion and pull together the many ideas that came my way as I navigated between my PhD research in the history of Latin American fashion, my teaching a variety of subjects around material culture for practice-based design students, and the real-life challenges faced by my clients in the fashion industry today. Here you'll find heartfelt conversations, actionable strategies, and yes, even more loose thoughts that I hope will help us set right everything that's proven to be wrong with fashion as we know it today. Please, please tune in on the second and fourth Thursdays of the month, starting in January 2024. And if you already feel like it, do subscribe to be notified when new episodes become available. Only in a few weeks, actually. In addition to the podcast, I will continue to write in my blog, send my weekly email updates, and of course, host our all-time favorite book club, on fashion. So make sure to sign up to my email list linked in the show notes to make sure that you're not missing out on any of these spaces and events. Again, thank you. Thank you for listening to this mini episode teaser introduction. And until the next time, until next year. Thank you, thank you for tuning in. You know that I love a good conversation about fashion, so please don't hesitate to email me or message me on social media to continue discussing any of the ideas introduced in this episode. If you liked what you heard, please follow the podcast, leave a review, or share it with your favorite fashion friends. It does make a huge difference as we try collectively to build more spaces for thoughtful and nuanced conversations that can truly help us redress fashion.